Listener Production. Welcome along to part B of episode 93 of the Howie Games, featuring Formula One and Sky Sports' main man, Martin Brundle. I'd love to talk broadcasting with you, a caper that I'm obviously in. Um, how did you get your start? Famous here, because um, it was you and Murray. It was like we talked about cricket in the summer. There's certain commentators here, Richie Benno and Bill Laurie was the summer, and you and Murray were the 10.30 at night from somewhere in Europe typically, and it was the Grand Prix and it was you and Murray. Yeah, I was very lucky. I, I often say, you know, to learn com- sports commentary from Murray Walker is like having Pele teach you how to kick a ball. Uh, and it was such an honour to work with him for, what was it, six or seven years or something. Uh, I speak to him occasionally now. Uh, he's getting on a bit. His mind, uh, I had a dinner last year in London and Murray Walker was there with Bernie Ecclestone and, and I, I was sitting opposite the pair of them listening to them have a chat. It was fascinating. But Murray's mind is pin sharp, just his body's... His body's getting, uh, uh, what is he, 95, 96, so he's worn that out a little bit. But I remember when we used to do walk around the track together, he'd march along. He'd, he'd, uh, he'd be every bit as strong and fit as I was, and I was still driving Le Mans at the time. <laughs> so um, I didn't want to do commentary at all, uh, and I thought I was driving for Jordan in 97. And then I was at the racing car show in Birmingham, England, and uh, Louise Goodman, who was the press officer at Jordan, came up to me and said, um, how, long, how much longer are you here for? Because uh, I said, why do you need me to do something? She said, uh, no, um, Eddie's about to announce Ralph Schumacher and Giancarlo Fisichella as his drivers oh. for this year. And we, um, we think it's better that you, you know, it might be easier if you're not around. <laughs> um, I, I ended up working with, with Lou Goodman yes. uh, and she does a lot of stuff in Oz. Um, you know, basically, Louise was the one who like, right, if you're not going to tell Martin, I'm going to go over and tell him, uh, which which I really appreciated from her. And um, that was when I found out I was no longer a Grand Prix driver. I thought I was going to drive for Jordan in 97. If I'd have been Eddie, I'd have done exactly the same thing, put two young bucks in it, to be honest. Um, I might have handled it differently, but I'd have done, I'd have, uh, you know, it was... My career was over, but I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be, and I didn't. I thought I'd got plenty more to give, and there'd been quite a big story building that I was going to join ITV and commentate on Formula One, and and I was really angry about that because it was just it was a self perpetuating thing. Anyway, so I have dinner on the eve of the season with Murray, and said, come Murray, what, tell me all about this TV lark, and he was like. And I, Murray was a mate of mine and, you know, he'd, he, when I was in Formula 3, he'd get on his motorbike and come and watch the races, me and Senna fighting each other. And you know, we, we all knew and loved Murray then as we do today. Um, and he was like, I can't tell you anything about Formula 1, Martin. I said, come on, Murray, yeah, yeah, yes, you can. And he said, oh, I'll tell you one thing. Just remember, we are only here to inform and entertain, nothing more. <laughs> and I thought, and I remembered that. Ever since, and I and I apply that. It's never about you in the commentary box. You can relate some of your stories if it helps explain what's going on for the viewer. But egos get left out of the commentary box. Um, and I, I often say half the fans don't know I used to race Formula One, and the other half don't care. So let's just just get on and tell the story. Explain explain what's going on in front of their in front of their eyes. Um, so I. I made a really, probably the smartest decision I've ever made in my career. And I thought, well, if Murray stands up 
to commentate, that, that's good enough for me. I'll stand up and commentate alongside him. So we got this rapport going because he, he, he had a fairly fractious relationship with James Hunt. He used to sit down and look the other way and they used to fight over a microphone occasionally. As much as they respected and loved each other, I think it was fairly fractious. So I, I joined Murray in the commentary uh, and... You know, I'd have my hand on his shoulder and if I wanted to say something, I'd squeeze, now squeeze a bit harder. Then I'd get my fingernails underneath his tendons and squeeze <laughs> really hard. And then he might then he might stop talking. <laughs> he was so enthusiastic. I'm absolutely convinced if I'd have walked, crept out the back of the commentary box, he would never have noticed until after the race had finished. <laughs> he was so on it. Um, trousers on fire style, they call it. Uh, but no, a magnificent man, wonderful broadcaster, um, who could who could trade off making mistakes like Murray? Oh. Like Murray did. He made a complete career out of it. And then Irvine moving up from tenth, maybe to ninth. I don't think he'll do better than that. Over the line and remains in the seventh position. Lap 28 out of 56, which, unless I'm very much mistaken, is half a distance. And yes, I am very much mistaken. Twice 26 is not 58. We are not quite at the halfway point of the race. Well, we are now, actually. Mikasalo, an excellent night for Sauber. Jensen Button in the top 10 is in 11th position. Michael Schumacher, as I expected, is extending his lead over Michael Schumacher. I just watched him really, learn from him, uh, and just enjoyed the race. I, I remember an awful feeling at the start of the 97 Melbourne Grand Prix. When the cars came to the grid, the engine started revving and, you know, the lights came on and I, and I panicked. I'm like, no, stop, 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 stop. I'm not ready. Uh, you can't, you can't start this Grand Prix. I'd been in Grand Prix racing in and around it since 1984. This is now 1997 and I've just been left behind. And I felt dreadful and I just did not want to be a commentator a Formula 1 commentator in the slightest, really. And I, I added to that, eventually I became David Coulthard's manager for 11 years. I raced Le Mans for Nissan, Toyota and Bentley. Um, I joined Arrows for a while. I had all sorts of businesses. My only way to to get over not being an F1 driver was just to have so many things going on that I, my mind was fully occupied. But then on the Monday after that 97 Melbourne race, I saw a lot of nice comment. We didn't have... Twitter and all the stuff back then, obviously. But I saw a lot of nice comments. Like people came up to me and went, "We really enjoyed that. That you and Murray, that works really well together." And I thought, okay, maybe it's not too bad then. And that's it. And twenty what twenty six years later, I'm I'm still doing it. I'm still a spring chicken compared to Murray. But yeah, it's um, I've, I've been very lucky to 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 do that and to have a. You know, to to be on the grid, to be interviewing the amazing people that I do, to just to, you know, if I do the post-race interviews with, you know, or post-quality interviews, you know, you've got Lewis literally shaking with energy, excitement, adrenaline. Congratulations. Six times a world champion. You made one clear of the great Fangio. You're one behind Michael Schumacher now, bless him. How does that feel? What's going through your head? It's just oh, overwhelming, if I'm really honest. It was such a tough race today. Like when Valtteri won in, in Melbourne uh, 2019, he got scary eyes on him, like <laughs> somebody had just come out of the, 
forest after 20 years sort of thing. Um, he, he drove like a man possessed and he looked like it. And so, you know, just just watching these young drivers come through, Max Verstappen and all, and seeing their mistakes, their glorious moments, the, the way they mature, develop. And I just love Formula One. I love everything about Formula One. And, and I have a great passion for it that's totally undiminished in that respect. So, uh, you know, no, no, no complaints. So whilst I didn't want to do it, it's actually, I'm... You know, I'm more defined for being a, a commentator than a racing driver, which is why I use that expression, you know, fact-finding mission for my uh, media career. <laughs> so when you're in the box, I've had the pleasure of working across a few different sports with all sorts of ex-athletes, and, and you look at the way some of them know the game inside out but can't explain that to the viewer. Some have the ability to explain it to the viewer but don't really get the technicalities of the sport. Your ability to tell me as I'm happy as it's happening, what's going to happen in three laps time is why I love watching Formula One. How are you producing all that information in your mind and watching the screen? Is it just come naturally to you to think, right, well, he's out of whack here, he's going to get this position I can see on the timing screen, or is it something you really have to work at? I finally get, um, there's a lot of data now, uh, but I, I don't take any notes in the commentary box. I literally go from the grid walk to the commentary box with nothing. Um, we do get some stats beforehand that I read. Stats tell you a lot of, a lot of things, but you can't go into a stat fest. You bore the audience. Yes. Um, you've got you've to gotta add, add knowledge, really, and add understanding. Um, say you've got to... My, my primary job is to put people behind the wheel. Um, and so, and also, I think you need to leave a bit of jeopardy out there um, in terms of even like when we used to have refueling, somebody will, you know, Nicky Lauda, bless him, on the grid would go, we're in, uh, or, or a tyre strategy, even a year or two back, Nicky would go, Lewis in on lap 18, Valtteri on 19. You know, I had that knowledge, but you don't want to just give that out and go, see, I told you so, because then it's about you. And it's never about you. It's always about the sport. So you can build around it. And often those strategies change anyway. So you can look an idiot uh, very quickly. <laughs> um, so you, you've got to try and read the race and get a feel for it. Um, Crofty's commentating now. We've got Mark Hughes, as third man, looking out for some bits and pieces. He'll stick a post-it in front of me, literally handwrite on a post-it, nothing more complex than that. We've got producers in our ears, of course. And um and all the you know all the stuff that's going on, two or three people talking to you whilst trying to f- focus on on the race. Um, so you ju- you just I don't know you, you get a feel for it, and and almost everything that's happened, I've either seen it happen before or it's happened to me in a racing car. So you just share share those experiences and try to try to explain explain what's going on. So I I, I have nil notes. Nil notes mm. in a commentary box. Never had, except for the one year where I was lead com with DC at BBC, um, which I enjoyed, but it it wasn't my natural spot. I think the expert witness. But you know, I haven't started a Grand Prix now for twenty five, twenty six years. But somehow, but then you could also say, well, Murray Walker never started a yeah. Grand Prix. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I I've been there, seen it, done it, crashed it. And people know that, and I, I think. As long as you keep your so I, I do a lot of work in the paddock. I talk to engineers. I talk to key people just to keep myself. I've driven 54 different F1 cars now. Uh, I've driven three of these latest hybrid cars. So I keep myself really up to date 
on the processes and, and what's going on. But they are... I did an interview with Lewis the other day. It hasn't gone out yet, unfortunately, but um, a fascinating interview. Um, fascinating with man. With him and Toto Wolf together talking about a new contract. Best interview I've ever done, and I'm gutted it. I don't know if it will time out effectively, but Lewis came up to me after, afterwards and said, um, I'd like you to come round the factory with me for a day. Uh, I said, I'd love to. He said, you know, so much goes on. I said, look, you know, first of all, let me tell you, I have no doubt how hard you work. And secondly, I'd love to. Obviously, don't, I'm not going to bring cameras or recorders because that just trans, that just changes the dynamics of everything if you do that. Um, and I'm yet to do that, but I'm looking forward to it. And things like that inform you. And I said to him, look, mate, yeah. No, I didn't call him mate because he's not my mate. Um, I said, look, Lewis, um, I'd love to because, you know, I, I talk live 100 hours a year uh, on a highly complex sport. So anything you can do to inform me and keep me up to date, I'd be, I'd really appreciate. Because, you know, if a, if a driver run, runs wide in a corner, is it his engine braking uh, is not quite right? Is it the differential settings? Is it the brake by wire? Or did he just screw up <laughs> and get it, you know, <laughs> ambition ahead of adhesion and just get it wrong? It's really, it's really hard to tell. And you, you can't, you know... You've got to tell it the way it is. And, and a few drivers, you know, you do get drivers glaring at you sideways sometimes if they think you've done them down. But at the same time, my loyalty is to the fan. And I think if they ever think I'm BSing on any of this or not, you know, or, or, or not telling it, telling what I really feel. But I love F1 and I, I know how hard it is to become an F1 driver. I know how hard it is to score points, to score podiums, um, and and to stay in Formula One. Uh, and then those drivers that go on to win multiple races and multiple championships is is extraordinary, is outstanding. It doesn't stop you having to tell it the way it is if they screw up or they've, you know, they've been they've run into somebody else, which, um, which they don't always appreciate. But so I think it's just honesty, isn't it? And people will soon let you know if they don't like what you're saying especially in the modern world of social media, which you sort of said wasn't there when you started. The grid walk, Martin, um, yep. which has changed broadcasting in, in a lot of places. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the most important 200 metres of tarmac in the world for the next 20 minutes. Anyway, the grid for this uh, Belgian Grand Prix. I started working for a new channel in Australia on cricket a couple of years ago, and there was a discussion that we wanted to approach the cricketers on the ground before the game, like Martin Brundle does the Formula One drivers. And uh, let's see if Sergio Perez is around. I don't believe he is. Everybody always wears the same colour overalls. Uh, Rubens Barrichello just passing by. Rubens, it's a long walk from back there, son. Yeah, well, if you don't come to interviewing me anymore, is that a long walk for you? I can, I can try to do better next time. Um, and it's the, you know, it's the funnest time, I'm sure you would agree, that you can have in broadcasting when it's just that loose, you don't know what's going to happen, and it's car crash TV, which is why it's much watch TV. OK, we've got Fernando Alonso here down in eighth place. He's not talking to media on the grid this weekend. Uh, I was strictly informed. We can take a sneak peek at his beautiful Ferrari sitting there. And uh, he has got a busy time ahead of him. But it does seem as if, uh, as he heads off to the grid, quick word, Fernando. I think I already knew the answer to that, didn't I? Whose idea was it? My guys at ITV 97 said, oh, we've had this idea. Just walk, walk down the grid and say what you see. And I, I'll give it a try. And that, that's what we did. Uh, and 
I sat on the track and said, look, when a driver comes to the grid, you know, the cameraman came down there with me at eye level. I said, this is what it looks like from a driver's eye point of view. It looks completely different, doesn't it, than when you're standing up and this and that and a quick chat. And, you know, I was the only one back then do, on the grid. But when you do arrive on the grid, as Villeneuve has just done, look what you can see. Come over my shoulder here, Keith. Remember that a driver's sitting down. This is about his perspective. And actually, all you can see when you get here is the back of a lot of cars and an awful lot of people. And I had, I remember one day standing talking to Michael and Michael Schumacher and Gerhard Berger. And, you know, Michael was nicking Gerhard's cap or something like that. <laughs> and drivers used, drivers used to come up to me and go, you haven't been to see me on the grid for a while, like Rubens <laughs> and that. Come and see me. Um, and I had I had the run of the place to myself, and it was just a dream, and I was cheeky as hell. Um, I have never watched an entire grid walk back. Have you not? I, ca- I cannot cannot bear watch myself on telly anyway, and um, I can hear a few people going, uh, well, a lot of people may be going, yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. <laughs> but I, ca- I cannot, I cannot abide watching myself on telly. And also, the... The, uh, the way I butt in and, you know, jump in and interrupt people is so not me. It's my alter ego that I just can't bear to watch it. But it was it was a complete joy. I actually find it really hard to do now because a number of things, a number of things have happened. Um, now there's 30 or 40 people trying to do grid walks. Yes. The drivers are fed up to death with interviews by the time you get to the grid because there's so much more media in Formula One. They've put the national anthem in now where all the drivers have to be at the front of the grid. They've opened the grid up 10 minutes early. So the drivers come to the grid, they then disappear off for comfort breaks and then zoom in at the front straight into the national anthem and then say, I won't talk to anybody after that. Um, Daniel Ricardo, one of my go-to guys for, for anything really, but he's like, when I leave my car, don't approach me anymore, please, which is fair, completely fair enough. I don't know why any of the drivers have ever spoken to me on the grid. Can you imagine doing that to Beckham as he's about to kick off in Wembley or Federer as he's about to serve in <laughs> Wimbledon and go, just before you uh, hit that ball, you know, how are you feeling today? How's the? What do you think the court's like or the pitch or the whatever? I don't know why they talk to me at all, but they do. Um, and there's a few celebs, and uh, but there's so many. Bernie never used to give anybody any passes. So now there's so many people on the grid so much media drivers are fed up to death with microphones by this stage and they just want to get on with the race and the way they've sort of restructured the start procedure i actually i would stop doing the grid walk tomorrow morning at the first opportunity but my guys and the feedback i get when i meet people in train stations or airports or racetracks or you know paddock whatever the first thing they always say to me is we love the grid walk um, and so I guess I'll carry on doing it. We've had, we've had a few gems over the years, uh, and I've just got to. I think I've got to get back being really rude and cheeky. Yes. Um, but it, it, it's not it's not my natural state. Um, but so it's actually become almost impossible to do from those early days where I had the entire place to myself. And what a what a privilege to speak to sports people just before they are literally. I mean. Mika Hakkinen, I think it must have been 99, on the, fr- on the front of the grid, Suzuka. He's my last target. I run up to him. He's got his balaclava going on. About, about, and I'm going like, as I approach him with my microphone, he's looking at me quite clearly, uh, Martin. Of, you know, his eyes are saying, of all the people in the world, you know 
you should not be approaching me now. Of course, that didn't stop me. I shoved my microphone aside. I was like, Mika, can you do this? Can you win the championship? He goes, of course, or something like that. I don't know whether anybody will talk to me. I'll give it a try. If I was them, I wouldn't, I have to tell you now. But anyway, let's give it a try. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, Mika. Mika. Hello, Mika. Are you interested to talk to me today? No. <laughs> OK, good. So we'll carry on then. Helmet goes on, gets in the car, wins the World Championship. If that's not the greatest sporting access yes. for media, then I, I, don't, I don't know what is. And, and of course, it helps us with drivers have got sponsors all over their overalls, so their teams are dead keen for them to be on on the on the TV, you know, on the global broadcast. Because we, I mean, we not everybody takes the grid walk, but we go out to a lot of countries around the world, English speaking countries around the world as well. But um, yeah, that that that's it. It's kind of my. Uh, yeah, it'll be on my gravestone, won't it, in some way, shape or form. Uh, the, 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 that's what I did, that's what I was famous for. But it's fine, yeah, it's great. More of Martin in a moment. The last episode of the show featured another brilliant broadcaster, former international cricketer Isha Gua. But sadly, there are not many highlights of Isha's cricket career floating around. So we were forced to improvise. I am going to commentate this. You are going to play the role of special comment, so you're going to have to figure out how you got her very quickly here, okay? <laughs> you ready to go? Yeah. Gua at the top of the mark. She's got four for. She's really made a mess of Australia today. Comes steaming in, ponytail side to side to Pike. It's full. Knocked her over. Pike is gone. Gua has got five, and Australia have been rolled by this English sensation for 154. Isha, what about that for a nut? Well, it was the perfect delivery, Howie. Uh, <laughs> pitched outside leg, it hit the top of off. She had absolutely no hope, Kirsten Pike. And what a spell of bowling from Isha Gua. Seriously, the best spell of bowling I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> And off she goes to the pavilion. She's sprinting away. That's Isha Gua on episode 92 of the show. Alrighty, back to Martin. It's my favourite 10 minutes of sports broadcasting every two weeks. It truly is because you don't know what's going to happen. Can I ask you to just briefly run me through, if you can indulge me, a couple of famous moments that have stuck in my mind. The first one that pops in my head. Is this okay? Yeah, go for it. First one that pops in my head is you're talking about Pelé. Uh, to Kimi Raikkonen, who's missed yeah. uh, Pele. Yeah, well, I got you, because up, up at the front, Pele was presenting Michael with something. And, um, I, and of course, all the drivers are up there. So my grid walk is, uh, it's another reason why I never watch it. it. This is basically nine minutes on average of unrehearsed, unscripted, live television to the world. It is car crash TV, as you described it. Um now I'm realising that everybody's right up the front and they've got this big rope, so they weren't letting anybody through. Uh, now what I'm going to talk about for several minutes too, and, and we always get like a... Brazil gives us one of the biggest audience in the UK. It might have been like eight, nine million people on my shoulder <laughs> looking, to be, looking to be entertained. And, um, and there's Kemi leaning up against the wall. And I'm thinking, fantastic. I had a similar experience once in Monaco where I couldn't see... Anything. I turn around and it was just such a melee of people. And I'm just I'm thinking I'm going to crash and burn here. 
Bernie Ecclestone appeared through underneath the rope and walked walked in my direction. And it's the same feeling. There, there's Kimmy leaning up against the wall and go like, "Hey, Kimmy, you you've missed the presentation with Pele and Michael. Will you get over it?" Kimmy Raikkonen doesn't seem too interested in the proceedings going on up there. Kimmy, you missed the presentation by Pele. Yeah. Will you get over it? <laughs> yeah, I was having a shit. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Now, yeah, obviously you'll have a nice light car on the grid then. And he goes, I was taking a shit, is what he said. Um, and I was always pleased with my my rejoinder on that one of, well, at least your car will be light on the grid then. Um, or something like that. But, uh, yeah, and I'm thinking, OK, what what kind of inquiries am I now going to have for swearing on live television? Because it's obviously a pretty serious thing. Yeah. It certainly is in the UK anyway, but yeah. Yeah, and that and that was that. Yeah, but uh, people love people love all that sort of level that sort of stuff. Ozzy Osbourne, one of my favourites. Um, you did your best yeah. with Ozzy Osbourne. Um, yeah, I don't know what he said to this day. I don't, if you haven't looked at it back, you probably don't recall what he said either. I want to have a word with this guy because he's complete and utter fruitcake. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, uh, I'm in a currently writing a musical about the life and times of Rasputin the Mad Monk. And we just got uh, allowing it to go on Broadway. All right, I'll try and think of a question for that answer. Because I go up to him and a load of words come out of his mouth. And again, I was quite pleased with my rejoinder <laughs> of I'll try and think of a I'll try and think of a question to that answer. <laughs> um, but, but I said, and then because it's not a show I watched a lot, but I knew his dogs were famous. And I said, okay, I'll try and think of a question to that answer. Meanwhile, how are the dogs? Did you bring the dogs with you? No, they're all the home. Uh, excellent, thank you very much. And he goes, they were shitting all over the carpets or something like that, <laughs> which which created another inquiry for me back at base because I should have known he was going to swear, apparently, <laughs> uh, by asking him that question. Uh, anyway, you get a bit nervous asking these things in the end. But, yeah, and, and some of the actors and actresses and, and pop stars and, uh, yeah, one of my highlights was... Um, Asking Eric Clapton to uh, to see if he could get to see if he could uh, get an interview with um, who was it Led Zepp I think um, no it wasn't Robert Plant yeah Robert Plant Robert Plant was on the grid and he it was let it was I was informed he didn't want to he didn't want to be um, interviewed and I was talking to Eric Eric's a mate of mine and uh, I said. Any chance of asking Robert Plant if he'll do an interview? And he went and asked. So I've got Eric Clapton asking Robert Plant if he'll do an interview. <laughs> and he said no. <laughs> he wouldn't. Although I did meet him later on and had a... Because I was mad on Led Zepp when I was younger. I did meet him later on. It's all coming back to me now. Um, at a party and had a good old chat with him. Um, but, yeah, uh, that was... Uh, what I hadn't realised, I, d- I don't think him and... Um, I don't think him and Eric were best of friends at some point through all of that uh, 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 back in the day. But anyway, that that that's the grid walk. That's my signature, if you like. So what happens, the final question on the grid walk, I need to let you go because I'm sure you, you've got other things to do than talk to me. Uh, one stage you're trying to talk to, uh, for example, Mariah Carey and her minders are just saying, no, no, no. Mariah, may I have a word for Sky TV? No, 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 no. Okie dokie. I think that's... Um, Oh, well, that's not going to spoil my life. On live TV, that can come across two ways. It can come across as you're badgering them, why don't you leave them alone? 
mm. which is not good reflection on the broadcast or you, but you have this ability to twist it, Martin. And I don't know how you do it, but you turn it to like, oh, well, if they don't want to talk to me, that's fair enough. It's not going to ruin my day. And it's almost you walk away thinking, well, that was really uncool. They didn't speak to Martin. That's a special skill, I reckon, because it can go two ways in that situation on live TV. Yeah, it can. Yeah, you can look like you're annoying people and just uh, being too pushy. Um, yeah, her minder who spun around and said, no, I know him, and he was hugely embarrassed because he he was just busy trying to jockey the whole situation along. Um, yeah, it's like the tennis players who blank me. Venus, can we have a quick word? Martin Brundle, Sky F1. Can I give you a second chance with that question? Yeah, I think that was a that was a firm no, wasn't it? And and often I get like the PRs of the teams come up to me and go, you know, we've got <laughs> such and such mega star on the grid. You know, please feel free to come and talk to them or whatever. I go, no, I'll give it a try. I don't. I, I never know where I'm going to end up, and I I can't often. I I don't know whether I'm on the fifth row of the grid or the third row of the grid. Sometimes when I'm charging around, and I'll go up and ask. Um, ask this famous tennis player a question and they turn their back on me. I'm thinking, oh, they're playing, they're larking around. Uh, and then I, so I ask again, because I've been actually told yeah, they'll talk to you and somebody's forgotten to tell them uh, and they just blank me. Now, the only way to avoid being embarrassed when you're um, mm. being blanked like that in front of millions of people around the world is, yeah, turn it into a bit of a joke or... or um, bat it away, and, and, and I'll often say, you know, we're in this together, you know, they, we, I don't know what's going to happen here. We're all in this. This is our grid walk, not my grid walk. Let's see how far we can get and who we can meet that's interesting today um, and, ju- and just bat it away with a, with a bit of humour. I think it comes back to my car, my car selling days when, as a car dealer, I, I think I sold my first car when I was eight in my dad's garage. Um, <laughs> you learn to read people. And whether, you know, whether they want a bit more help or a bit less help, whether they're tyre kickers or whether they're buyers or, or whatever. And I think I'm probably doing that as I'm talking to people on the grid. Are they tyre kickers or are they buyers? I'm going to make it, uh, this might be tricky for you. You can go past. I don't have anything written down like you. Um, one word answers from here on in. Yep. yep. Uh, will Dan Ricardo ever be the champion of the world? He's good enough to. Um, he now needs a championship car. Lewis Hamilton will retire with how many drivers' championships? Eight. The next team to win a Formula One constructors' championship, aside from Mercedes, will be Red Bull. Charles Leclerc will win more or less world titles than Max Verstappen. Less. The most talented driver you've seen is? Ayrton Senna. Wow. You did really well there. I don't have any more. <laughs> I was just pulling those. I was just pulling that. Oh, a couple more then. Your favourite um, racetrack to go to? Macau's brilliant. We, we did that in Formula 3. Uh, more out your part of the world. Uh, southern tip of China there. Love street circuits, love Monaco, love the high, love the traditional ones, Silverstone, Spa, Monza. Um, so none of those. Uh, I love Le Mans. But last year I fell in love with the old Nordschleife, the Nürburgring. Ah. It, was, it was something to tick box for me. I'd never raced there. I nearly raced there. It's another long story with Tom Walkinshaw. 
and I ended up racing with my son there, Alex, last year, uh, and I adored it. I just couldn't wait to get on the next lap. It's a bit scary, but it's scary in a nice way. So the, I would say the Nordschleife, the old Nürburgring. If there's one person on the planet you could choose to interview on the grid, is a tough one. And you can pause here because of the podcast, that person would be. Mm. It's got to be Donald Trump, hasn't it? What a laugh that would be. You could, <laughs> you could, uh, I could uh, use all of my car selling techniques on that one and have an endless content. Do you miss Bernie Eccleston? Yes, I do miss Bernie Eccleston. I was talking to him just the other day, actually. Uh, yeah, and I think Formula One misses Bernie Eccleston right now. Your favourite car you've ever driven, Formula One? The best car, the car that I left the biggest impression on me was testing Lewis's 2008 championship-winning McLaren. Just stuck to the road. Just all the things you ever dreamed a racing car might do. Hardest bloke to interview in Formula One? Helmut Marco, Dr. Helmut Marco of Red Bull. <laughs> he's, he's unwilling to be interviewed. And then when you do pin him down, he doesn't want to say anything. Favourite person to interview in F1 over the years? Uh, I had a lot of go-to drivers on the grid. David Coulthard, Mark Webber, Daniel Ricciardo, Rubens Barrichello, Jensen Button. All, all of those guys are really, uh, you know, were really generous to me and I, and I enjoyed I enjoyed their company, still do enjoy their company. Um, Favourite person? I think it... Do you know, I think it might be Bernie. Who's going to win the World Championship? Um, the one with the most points, I'm sure. I don't know who it's going to be, though, at the moment. All right, thank you for that valid contribution. <laughs> I knew you couldn't work it out. No, I couldn't. That's why I asked you. See you later. <laughs> Two questions left for you. Now you get one from my daughter, Sky. She's 10. So turn your volume up so you can hear. Yeah, I've got it. She operates as the pickle. Here you go. <laughs> Favorite F1 driver for Australia is Dan Ricciardo, but my mum has a soft spot for Mark Webber. Who's your favorite Aussie F1 driver? And they're all good blokes. Yeah, Alan Jones as well. Yeah, as we say, AJ. AJ tells it, <laughs> tells it the way it is, or the way he'd like it to be. <laughs> um, uh, Daniel, uh, we love uh, his smile. His flip top smile is just great it, it, it always brightens everybody's day i haven't seen so much of him since he joined renault you see a lot of him and his mum and dad and all that when he was at red bull um but um uh, i know why your mum i know why your mum likes mark he's a good looking dude <laughs> yeah. isn't he flattens me a bit when uh, i heard that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I love them all because they're all absolutely straight talkers. I went, I stayed with Mark at Noosa oh. last year before the Grand Prix. What about that deck he's got Dan. there overlooking the ocean? Yeah. Wow. Ah, fabulous. Yeah. And the walk, the walk yeah. down for the coffee in the mornings. Um, I, I love, I love all those people, to be honest. Um, and count them as, count them as friends and people I respect and, and look up to. Uh, Mark, I would say I'm I'm closest to Mark. Um, Alan Jones ran me off the road once, so I wasn't so keen on that. <laughs> but, um, uh, he was oh, man, he was one tough racer, especially at the start. AJ, oh, he gave he gave no quarter. Uh, no, I would say I'm closest to Mark of all of those guys, but they're but they're all a credit to Australia and a credit to themselves. Final and qu- Formula One. Final question for you. Um, we're lucky enough to have a lot of. Uh, youngsters, kids listen to this show. 
on the way um, to cricket training or footy training or soccer or to ride their motorbike or their go-kart or whatever it may be, you've had success in a couple of different fields at least as well as business. For the youngsters out there wanting to succeed in life, Martin, and as a father, I know you could take two and a half hours to answer this question. What do you think is the key to success for young people growing up wanting to make a mark on the world in which they live? Yeah, my my daughter's just coming up 31. My son's 29. He's a pro racer. She's a car designer. Um, I don't know. My philosophy with the with the kids when they were younger was and I guess that's why I'm still living in, in my home, my home area, but it is, you've got to keep it grounded. So I always, uh, my wife and I, we sort of said, you know, well, it's give your kids a great education, teach them right from wrong, uh, let them understand the value of a dollar in your case, uh, the real value uh, of money. And I always said, then I would um, buy them a canoe and, and some oars and give them, a, give them a, metaphorically speaking, a canoe, some oars and a little push offshore. And then they're going to have to row it themselves and achieve everything themselves um, because that's what they have to do. So my, my kids never lean on, never lean on us, but I, I, I try to give them more than they want to take. Or if I send my daughter some money, if I've had a bit of a good year, she rings me up to go, why I've got my own money, dad sort of thing, but not in a nasty way, but in a, you know, that's sweet of your dad, but you know, all, all fine here. So they're, they're self-sufficient in that respect. I don't know what else you can do. As I said, a good education, right from wrong, the value of a dollar. Martin, I sure. tremendously appreciate your time. I hope I haven't taken up too much of it. I was thrilled when you replied to my email and said you would come on for a chat. Hopefully we see you and hear you at a Formula One racetrack very, very, very soon. Thanks, Harry. Appreciate uh, yeah, joining your list of very illustrious interviewees. Uh, great. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Good on you, Martin. Take it easy. Stay safe. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that. That is a man who has lived a very full life and has a tremendous passion for his job. There's something in that, loving your job. Personally, I was pumped to sit down and chat with Martin for over an hour and a half. It was absolutely brilliant to be doing that from my end. It was a massive treat for me. I hope it was for you also. Until next time, with the great man, Ian Smith, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try Listener